Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Michael Shackleton, and he is one of our Idol Academy alumni and one of our Idol success stories. So Michael, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself and sharing a little bit of your background? I will. Thanks, Dr. Robin. Yeah, I used to be a teacher. I left teaching in July last year, so just over a year ago, 2022. And I kind of I'd been in a te- I'd been a teacher for sort of fourteen years. Before that, I worked a little bit in IT, and it sort of took me a while to decompress after I left teaching. And I found my way to uh, instructional design, and sort of yeah, here I am today, ready to hopefully pass on some advice and some nuggets of information to people who might want to do the same. So. I think that um, your beautiful accent is obvious and I just love it. And I think you'll have to share where you're from and where did you teach and what kind of grade level? So, well, uh, hopefully people will recognize that I'm from the UK. So I'm from the north of England in the UK. So I I live in Manchester now. So I have a little bit of a Manchester accent, but I'm from from the northeast originally, which is a little place called Middlesbrough, which is quite hard to find. It's sort of between Leeds and Newcastle, I suppose. I used to teach uh, in what we would call primary school. So that would be elementary school. So the children were aged 10 uh, and 11 for most of my teaching career. So uh, in the UK here, that would be just before they went off to high school. And yeah, they the sort of the role changed as, as kids stayed the same age, but they seemed to get older as I went through my teaching career. That's funny you say that. I, I feel that same way about my even my own children. Like... Mm. They honestly, they like, yeah, the, the things you sort of end up having to deal with in teaching in primary school, you don't, you, you think, well, these are, these are sort of high school issues. These, they shouldn't be having to deal with some of these, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, lo- I love the kids. Like I taught, I was, I especially like teaching uh, and working with the more challenging children and sort of trying to get a, a bit more of a, a bond with them and trying to figure out if I could sort of help them engage a bit more with education and and do that. So yeah, I worked in Leeds for a number of years and then I worked in Manchester where I live now and I worked in a school in Manchester for eight and a half years. So when did you know that you were ready for a career change? What was it that started showing up in your life and in your career that you're like, maybe I'm ready for something else? I think I had a number of, I had a couple of periods where I wasn't able to work and those were mental health related. And I, and I hadn't really put the emphasis maybe on myself enough. And I think one of the things that happens when you're in school is that you, you sort of operating in a little bit of a bubble. You, you, you go into the building at the start of the day, you don't leave, you kind of, you don't really see anything in the outside world. All the problems that happen inside school are a little bit more amplified because that's kind of all you know. You don't really get a break during the day. You have to sort of mask and be this other character, this other person. And over time, it sort of gradually became sort of obvious to me that I I, I couldn't do that anymore and take sort of reasonable care of myself. I had some conversations sort of with my partner about 
So I left. I left a year ago. So I would say probably, probably even two years ago. I was thinking about it, and then once I got to the Christmas before I left, so uh, the Christmas of twenty twenty one. I pretty much made up my mind that I needed to do something that would allow me to be probably more flexible, that I could have a little bit of a chance to breathe. And the thing that I sort of say most to people, which sounds really small, but is actually big, is I, I wanted to be myself. I wanted to be able to have a drink of sort of like go and get a drink when I want one. I want to be able to go to the toilet when I want to. And I want to sort of dress in my own clothes. I felt very much that I need to do something for myself. And being inside a quite a rigid structure in education meant that I couldn't do a lot of those things. So I, so I knew sort of by the Christmas that I knew I, I needed to make a change. And so you know you're ready to make a change. And I'm sure you explored maybe lots of options. What did that exploration time look like for you? Oh, well, I, I mean, at that point... I have to say, I, I didn't. This is I did things the wrong way. I left without a plan. I left. I sort of handed my notice in. I, I knew I was leaving on my very last day. The other teachers were asking me what I wanted was going to do, and I did not know. And I and I still, I still kind of have to pinch myself to think that that's what happened. I had a, I had a bit of help money wise. I made I put some savings aside, but I really needed a sort of two, three, four months off from not thinking about it to decompress. And it wasn't until I signed up for a course that was specifically to help teachers sort of figure out what they wanted to do next that I became aware of the sort of the the world of instructional design and sort of e-learning and then the different opportunities that are out there are sort of reflecting back on what I said previously about their being in school being a bubble. I think it, you, all you know is teaching. So to come out of it, you need to sort of shake that off and then consider and look and see what things you can do with your skills and and acknowledge that you have those skills and then spend some time sort of playing around, investigating, doing a little bit of learning and figuring out what the right path is for you. So you were in this course and they, I'm sure they showed you a myriad of options. Was instructional design at the top of your list as soon as you found out about it or did you consider some other things? It was up there, but I, I honestly did not have a clue what it was. That was the first thing. I didn't have a clue. Like what I hadn't heard the words before. I knew what e-learning was because we'd had to develop a lot of things in school during COVID and sort of figure out our learning around that. But yeah, I had to yeah just sort of dig around and research. I knew I wanted to stay in learning, but I also knew that I wanted to be creative. And so the more I looked into e-learning and watching YouTube videos and doing tutorials, like listening to people talk about it, I listened to an interview with yourself on Daphne Gomez's podcast and kind of just thought, well, that that is that's a path that I think makes sense and allows me to be a, sort of move in a direction that I want to be in. Whether it's the, the end goal, I don't know, but it's definitely something that I can apply my skills that I've got from teaching and use it in a way where I can, yeah, sort of be more creative, be sort of be more imaginative in the things I'm doing. So is that actually that podcast episode, is that what led you to Idol Academy? How'd you find us? Well, that's how I found you. Yeah. Like I think I looked through like a couple of different places. I, I saw yours. 
I followed advice and went on LinkedIn. I'd never, I didn't know what LinkedIn, well, I knew what LinkedIn was, but I didn't ever think that I would use it. I didn't have what you would call a resume in, in the UK. We call them a CV. I didn't have one of those. So I had to start, I hadn't, I, had, I started from zero really in sort of October, November last year. So just over a year ago and, and made and like kind of got all my skills in the line and started reaching out to people on LinkedIn. And I started to reach out to people and talk to people on communities on the idle one on various teacher ones to ask about if people had done the course and if they'd found it really useful and if the, and, and the feedback I have to say was honestly so favorable and and I just sort of I thought I'd, I need to take the plunge I need to do this thing that's going to help me give me the skills and the confidence to move into this area. So you signed up in January of this year and so you'd actually I mean as far as timeline goes you made that decision pretty quickly. It happened really fast. Yeah, I think sort of November time I decided and then I think I registered an interest to join the course. And yeah, I think it was the, the sort of back end of January I, I started uh, cohort 13. Unlucky, for, not for me. It was very lucky for me. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, just kind of, yeah, got into it. And, and I, I think straight away I felt I knew I'd made the right choice because straight away I was learning new things and yeah and I kind of take some of the things that I've learned that I learned on the course and I I've used them in in work now I, I use them I'm two months into a job now and I, I I use them all the time all right so now you've enrolled in the academy and you got started so what did your journey look like when you're actually in the academy like did how long did it take you to start you know finish your portfolio and start applying what did that look like for you I wanted to do things in quite a logical way. I, I didn't want to sort of jump ahead. I wanted to start at the beginning and, and really sort of methodically go through each and every step. So the first thing I did was sort of, I've made a website. I, I kind of sketched out a roughly idea, sort of a color palette. And, and, and it was basically yeah, starting from nothing. I started to create things using Canva and generate some sort of create more creative ideas. And then after that, I began to build like an idea for a rise course and sort of made that. And then I think that the whole premise at the start of the, of the Academy was to, to do it messy, which is a phrase that I still use now. I'm using it sort of almost every day because it just means you just start and you, you can't like give yourself an excuse. You just have to get on with it. So I, I did that. I spent, I think I spent, it was the first sort of, yeah, so eight weeks, like really working, like joining the joining the discussions talking with people in the community like listening to the mentors I, I joined as many different things as I could to try and soak up as much information as I could and and sort of all that all that time building my CV listening to feedback but I think that's one thing that I would definitely say help help me with direction was when you get feedback don't take it as a criticism really listen to it and just use it to move forward because everybody wants you to succeed and that's what the feedback is it's not to pick you apart and sort of drag you down it's to build you up and make you feel more comfortable so I think after I got to eight weeks so I would probably say that was March I spent another four weeks specifically going into sort of um e-learning design and, and do it kind of doing a couple of extra badges I worked on I think I did the Genially badge I did the Canva badge I kind of deliberately tried to build up a few more skills and once I'd done that once I got to April, I then started applying. So I was applying for jobs using specifically as a teacher, something that was skills led that could show people that I wasn't just a teacher, but I had applicable skills that could fit a role. So yeah, I, I think I was probably applying in 
April. So that would be sort of yeah, three months after I started the course, maybe three, four months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you started the application process. Um, do you have your portfolio done by the time? Or I mean, like good enough anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say good enough. I, what, one other thing that I tried to do throughout was having spent so much time not feeling that I could be myself was to put a sense of myself, not only on my website, but in the stuff that I was making. So I tried to make courses. I used um, seven taps as an example, I used, like as micro learning. I tried to make that sure that my voice was in the things and not only like by narrating but I also mean my personality was in those things uh, because I, as soon as I started I thought I want to make sure that I stand out in some way in a positive way so people can see not only that perhaps I've got the skills for it but also the person behind the skills I think especially as someone transitioning into a new industry and coming in without necessarily corporate experience in some of those skills I think that felt like the right thing to do. So yeah, my portfolio, I kept adding to it. I didn't stop. I kept tweaking and adjusting and like putting different things on my CV and, and, uh, and resume. And as soon as different applications were getting sent out, I was highlighting different things. I was sticking stuff on LinkedIn, posting like to people the things that I'd made. So it was sort of a constant developing churn of sort of things going out all the time. I love how you've talked about that you your beginning goal was that you just wanted to be able to be yourself and like your best self and put that out into the world. And then even in your job application, that's what you started doing. I even noticed on LinkedIn too that you even had unique images. Um, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger. I did. <laughs> yeah, he's the I did. Yeah, I linked what was it, Merrill's Principles of Learning to uh, the film Predator. Because I, I I just thought there's 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 always a key to unlock somebody's learning and I thought well if I can make this particular key something that more people are familiar with and and I think while I was applying I posted links to that course on loads of instructional design groups on LinkedIn and I got loads of feedback and it led to more connections and then you start having more discussions about things and then eventually that sort of led to me in May uh, sort of end of May someone who I'd connected with as a result of sort of those sort of conversations said that they had a job not directly for me but they posted that they had a job that had opened up just like a six month contract but I wouldn't have found out about that had I not gone out and sort of put myself out there and and been myself I love that and so all right so you're putting out applications do you have any idea Michael how many applications you put out before you found um, at first I was doing like very quick applying I wasn't really specializing the the content of my application necessarily for each role. I think I was doing sort of anything between five and six applications a day for at least a month. So that's that's probably over a hundred, isn't it? If you do yeah. the months. So yeah, I did quite a lot. I found that it was better to try and stand out and do something slightly different than to just send off something generic but I always sent sort of clear a letter almost email things with it which was linked to that company I always tried to highlight the things that I could do that referenced their job specification and I started I, I, I changed how my the, my skills based section of my resume looked because I wanted it to stand out. I actually took some of the images from the Idol Academy of my little badges and I stuck them at the top of my CV. And the more 
I sort of tweaked and adjusted and became a little bit more confident that I was doing the right thing, the more I sort of made it a little bit more personal. And the the only way I could say that I could use feedback for that was that I was I started to get more feedback. I started to get more response. I started to get more interviews. And that was only because I'd sort of started making myself stand out more not in a sort of aggressive look at me way, but in a look, this is me. If you want to have a chat, get back to me. I love it. So how many interviews did you go to? Did you, do you remember? Uh, I I started every interview that I had at the start was online and I'd never had an interview online. I'd always, I mean, teaching, yeah, you had to go in and do a lesson. Like before that, obviously like, I'm sort of 44 now, so like, this is so like before teaching. Well, I'd, yeah, the internet wasn't really a thing. So, it, so <laughs> yeah, I did quite a lot of interviews online. I think I probably did in the re- I got about in the region of sort of eight to ten online interviews, which I loved. Like I loved having them, but I very much treated those as a free swing. I treated those as it, what, the first few I got. I, it was very much I need to learn as much about you and what you're asking as to what I you're going to learn about me. So I, I didn't, if I didn't get, if I got negative feedback, I didn't mind because I knew that it was all a process of sort of building and learning and kind of picking up information as I went along. So yeah, I think I probably had about eight to 10 online interviews and then I got down to the final two for a role and I didn't get it because of a task that I had to do after the interview where I'd dialed back myself a little bit I wasn't quite as creative as I could have been and but following that they called me back and gave me some like coaching about how I could do things differently next time and that happened on a on a Tuesday morning in the Tuesday afternoon I had an interview which was my first face-to-face interview and that turned out to be the job that I got offered because I'd sort of everything had sort of fallen into a neat little sort of a pattern. So all it was like you were learning all along the way, even when you were getting no's, you were like, that means next opportunity. And that helps yeah. me prepare for that and next one. And it's so, the so one, hard. tell me. Yeah. It's so hard to not to, to to not take that personally, but you have to not take it personally because there's always other people who've got like more skills. There's always somebody else. There's always, you know, there's always another and that, but there's also always another opportunity. So so ne- never ever take it personally when you get even when you get no feedback, just say, right, okay, well, I, I'll take the learning from that. I now know what sort of questions you're going to ask, and I know how to read people better in those situations. So, yeah, I the, the, the coaching that I got was, I think the one thing coming from education that you can't, it, I found really hard to explain was that I didn't have experience of working with stakeholders or subject matter experts. And it took me a long time to figure out that I could answer that question and talk about people who worked in the school, who were like in management, who were sort of people who were governors for the school. And I could talk about them in that way, but really had to carefully consider my answer. But again, I I only did that by learning from each experience and for asking. If you don't ask, like you don't get anything back. And if you if they don't answer, well that's fine. You haven't lost anything, have you? You've just got to keep asking for like, oh what did you think? Could I have answered this question better? And a lot of people will generally, if they have time, give you at least something. Yeah. 
So, all right. So the one that you, the one that you have now, can you share whatever you are allowed to share about the role that you landed mm-hmm. and, and what that interview process looked like? And you said you actually went in person for that. So is it like right around the corner or tell us more about the job that you got? So the job is, so yeah, like a six month contract. The role is a learning content designer. So I went in for an interview. It's in a large, um, so I live about 15, 20 minutes outside the center of Manchester, which is like the sort of the second biggest city here in the UK. I love living in Manchester. It's, it's absolutely brilliant city. If anyone wants to come and visit, please ask and I'll give you some advice. It's a, it's a great, it's a great place. So the company have They have a rich history in and around Manchester as being a company that looks after people and they're very community focused and they employ about sort of 70,000 people here in the UK. So they're they're quite a large organisation. Yeah. But they have a massive central office in Manchester. And so I went in, I kind of had a face-to-face interview with two people from the team. One of them would have been my boss. It was very much an interview which focused on two things. One was skills, but the other one was behaviours. And that was the one where I, I, I think I knew that I didn't necessarily have all of the skills. But then after the interview, I felt like I'd nailed the behaviours bit and I felt like I'd really clicked with the people in the room. And so I left left that I had another interview I think two days later and it was during that interview I got up I came out and I had a message to say they'd they'd offered me the position so I had a little I did a little bit of negotiation which is again it's like it's not like me at all but I um I asked for a little bit of time to think about it which I definitely wanted to do anyway because it was the first offer I'd had but I talked it through with my partner and myself and her kind of agreed that it was good like a, a really good opportunity and yeah just sort of yeah sort of I think three days after the interview I'd accepted a position and so yeah I've got a six-month contract possibility that it might be made permanent and um, they're really pleased with the work that I'm doing as a learning content designer I'm making e-learning I'm doing loads of stuff that comes up in idle i'm doing storyline i'm doing rise i'm learning the adobe suite which sort of it it sort of builds on top of canva but i'm also getting masses of time for like professional development and learning new skills so the learning doesn't stop when you get a job if you kind of find a really good organization you just keep adding to skills and you keep asking for help and one thing that I, I really remember in the interview that was that really stood out and, and my boss has said this to me since was that he asked me about peer reviews and he said how do you feel about peer reviews and I said I love them and it was because on Idol you do that you have to send stuff out and you have to get people to look at it and and you have to be sort of yeah not too not too thin-skinned or anything and take it personally and just keep improving your work and he said great because that is what our job is we're a team like we'll all review each other's things and none of us is too precious to accept that we can't make changes here and there because it makes the standards higher and so yeah that was having that question came up was great because I knew that the grounding that I'd had in the in the on idle really set me up for succeeding in work. That's incredible. So I know that you said that they have 70,000 employees and they're a big company. Can you tell us like what kind of industry they're in? Or oh, Well, I'll tell you the name of the company. It's called The Co-op. Oh. It's got, so, and they, they, were, they started in 1844. See, I know the history now. I've had to learn it. So in 1844, <laughs> they started and um, they're called the... Um, the, I think it's the Rochdale Pioneers or something like that. I'm not sure that's exactly right. But a group of businessmen set up a company and they wanted to make sure that the employees were looked after so you could be a member of the company. And they, they do an amazing amount of charity things. I would say 
their main areas of business they're, they're sort of they look after funeral they do funeral care so they provide people with, with funerals you can purchase like a cert like different service care options through them they do insurance but they also have it's quite diverse they also have what you would call like sort of very small supermarkets like very very tiny sort of convenience type type shops and so the range of employees is, is extraordinarily vast because you get people who are perhaps in charge of bringing the deceased into their care and liaising with families who lost someone. But you also have people who work in uh, in shops, sort of settling, you know, like um, stocking shelves. And then you have people like myself who work in it, like sort of one of the main offices and do kind of, yeah, like provide services for them. And that everything in between all of those roles also exists as well. So the range of the things that they do is extraordinarily broad. So when you are creating learning materials, what area of the business do you focus on or does your department create training wherever there's a need so you could be making it for the supermarket workers or the insurance employees or tell me where you're at so yeah we're doing we're doing things for everyone so we make things for the staff that work sort of behind the scenes we're making resources for people who work in a very sort of public facing roles who work with members of the public to talk about like store safety there's courses for how to maintain vehicles that are used for funeral care. We're divide, I'm working on a piece of work at the moment, which is to let people know a little bit more about the world of logistics and how they move products around in time for them to be in the shops the next day. So it, it, it's everything. I think that since I've started sort of, yeah, eight, nine weeks ago, the range of things I've done has been really broad and the range of tools I've had to use has also been really broad. So I feel really fortunate. It hasn't just been, oh, here's the new guy. He, he needs a bit of training. Let's just give him the, the easy stuff to do. It's been have a go at this tool now. Oh, you, you've got this, you, you said you got this skill on your CV, right? Okay, let's let's work on that and then do this piece of work. So it's been so varied. I've actually been doing the, the team a, a more of a design studio than they are as learning designers. So we're actually making, there's like animations are being made, films are being made, podcasts are being made. So the, the range of things that I'm doing is actually so much broader than I initially thought. So it's it's a creative environment where, yes, we're doing e-learning. Yes, we're using the skills that, w- that we've learned, but it's very much based on design and engagement and trying to get people interested in, in all aspects of the business. What a, a unique opportunity, Michael. I don't even think you understand like how rare it is to I end up in... I myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because so many times you might end up in a role and all you build is compliance or all you build is like software training for the end user for that company. Mm-hmm. But you get to, you're never going to be bored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think one of the things that happened in the interview was like they said every day is different. And I, I don't think... I really appreciated what it was. And I think my boss has been so brilliant and so like sort of welcoming and the team have been so good. I, I think I, I've, I've sort of reached the point where people have stopped asking me how my job is because I'm so so like effusive and positive. I'm saying, it's brilliant. You'll never guess what I'm doing now. And so it makes people a little bit jealous that I'm sort of doing all of these incredible, like wonderful things. These are all the things that I'm learning are things that I, I'd always done as a bit of a side hustle. I'd always done outside of teaching and I'd always wanted to be more creative I always wanted to do media things I've always wanted to like do be more artistic in the in the things that I've done and design and I never did it I've never got paid for it so to come in and sort of 
on the basis of thinking I was going to design learning and then to be shown these other things that actually we're also doing this and we're also doing this. It was, it's it sort of, it's been so brilliant. I can't really get over it really that I'm, that I'm in this position. And even if I don't stay beyond the six months, what a brilliant experience to take into whatever I might do next. Absolutely. So was there anything that, surprised you that you didn't expect good or bad in your new role so far you've said all bunch of positive things was there anything like oh I didn't expect to do this I don't know I think some of the topics that we have to cover in the range of the business I think I don't think I quite had my head around that so some of them like I mentioned funeral care like they they provide amazing service to customers in that in that area but that means that some of the topics that we're having to do, like we mentioned, just mentioned about how, how varying the range of the services, but to be talking about, let's say, we to be, to be working on a podcast and sort of coming up with ideas for how an interview is going to work and designing animations that are going to run alongside it and stings and things like that and how to pull quotes out and then flipping and then going back to, you know, like a course on, advising people how to embalm someone well they're (laughs) totally different so I think I found that quite difficult I think that ability to to flip and switch between the different areas but actually that difference that change that sort of diversity in the different topics that we're doing is probably a strength because it means that like you say it's not something that you're going to get bored with I think perhaps some of the topics are very sensitive we have had training about how to discuss with members of the public about uh, about the, like someone who's died and how to refer to the to refer to that person as the deceased and and we have we've sort of had a lot of support with it but it was definitely something that was I wasn't expecting to get sort of this sort of information definitely it's been yeah it's it's all woven together with sort of a rich a rich variety of different topics well you have throughout your story Michael just shared so many different pieces of insight. I mean I'm just thinking about even what you said about being your you know your mindset and being able to keep learning and accept feedback. But if you have to give your last and piece of advice for those who want to become an idol, what would you share? I think the big thing, the one of my big fears before I started was had I had I got too old to do it? Had I reached a point in teaching where I was like, well, it's too old, I can't, I can't leave, I can't change, I can't do anything differently now. I'm just gonna have to stick with this. And I think historically, I probably that's the advice I probably would have got from my parents and sort of well, you've got a good job there, you might as well stick with that. And and actually, no, you need to find the thing that really excites you and you need to find an opportunity that gives you the chance to be yourself. I think that is the biggest piece of advice is I I made the conscious decision not to pretend to be anyone else in this whole process and to be myself, to offer honest feedback and to just, yeah, like to feel comfortable in my own clothes and my own skin again. And that's the thing that's really stood me in, in sort of a good standing in terms of finding a role, finding brilliant colleagues and, and just making connections with people and finding out about, the industry, sort of asking questions on LinkedIn, posting things that I'd made on there and and building a a connections with people and building a community. I I couldn't have done any of that without sort of getting a little bit outside of my comfort zone, trying to be myself, forgetting that I was sort of in my mid forties. And I, you know, perhaps in the past might have thought that it was 
too late for me to make a change. All of that's nonsense. You, you can do it. You can make a change. All you have to do is sort of find the thing that really gets you excited and pursue it. And uh, yeah, you know, the job is out there for you if you look. I am so glad that you are yourself, Michael. And I'm so glad that that thread is throughout your entire story. And thank you so much for sharing your experience and your story with us on the Become an Idol podcast. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com. If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.